Hello! Welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm okay, Clay, but sometimes my arms bend back. Mm, yes. Well, I've got good news and bad news for you listeners out there. Uh, the bad news is we will we have well we have come up to our wild card, and uh, that's that's good news. But the <laughs> bad news, bad news, everyone. The bad news is we're off the rails. We will not be covering X. Yes, as we said last time. Uh, the good news is that gum you like. Is going to be coming back in style. Mm. Uh, I was informed by listener Kyle that this is the 30th anniversary of Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me this year. Yeah, wow. And uh, he asked if we were ever going to talk about it. And I figured, wild card anyway, uh, mm. probably I can't think of another reason why we would have talk about Twin Peaks because it, this movie's not on the list. Right. So, and I and I have a feeling we both have a lot of thoughts on Twin Peaks. Yes. <laughs> so uh, X will have to be put on the back burner until somewhat time down the road. And today we are talking about Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me from 1992. It is not on our list, but it has a 64% Rotten Tomatoes score. Huh. Had you seen this before? <laughs> do you have to ask me that question? I do not. <laughs> Yes, Here's a question yes, for I have you. seen this one. Before. What were the circumstances under which you first watched this movie? Uh, I was 19 or 20 years old mm-hmm. and I took a college class on David Lynch. Interesting. Okay, had you seen the show at that point? I had seen choice episodes okay. as part of said college class because mm-hmm. we did all of Lynch's uh, filmography in order. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that was that'd be an interesting class. It was fucking fascinating. It yeah. was um it it was like David Lynch and the unconscious mind or something like that. Sure, so sure. we went into a lot of like Freud and dream logic stuff alongside like watching the films and That's fun. Yeah, it was really good. I actually would really like to take that class. Yeah, it was it was fucking baller class. It was probably my my favorite <laughs> class I ever took in college. That's yeah. great. Um my first viewing of this movie uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Interestingly enough, this was the first Twin Peaks thing I ever watched. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, I had huh. not seen the show. I believe, if I'm doing my math right, I probably watched this after I saw Mulholland Drive. Okay. Because I believe Mulholland Drive was the first David Lynch movie I'd seen. Yeah. And um, I really liked that. And yeah. So then I think I saw this, and I or I was aware of this. And it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm aware of the show. People really like the show. Mm-hmm. I'll check out the movie. Were you totally lost when you first watched this? No. Oddly huh. enough, I really liked it. Oh, cool. And this movie gets a bad rap for reasons yeah. I can kind of understand, but also kind of not understand. Um, yeah. yeah. I think. I think it actually might work better if you've never seen the show. Yeah, or like like I had said, I had seen sort of like specific episodes. Yeah. So like you know, I was in this class and we're trying to cover all of all of David Lynch mm-hmm. and and you know, so we started off with like short art school films and like Eraserhead and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, you're, you're kind of, it's a lot to cover in one semester. Yes, very so much so. we could not watch all of Twin Peaks. So my professor had kind of curated, like, here are the, like, four episodes. Oh, cool. You've right. got to watch. So I, I knew at least, like, I knew who Laura was. Mm-hmm. I knew what was going to happen to her. I knew of Bob. Mm-hmm. So, like, I had seen mm-hmm. sort of, like, the key. Like, if you think of, like, season one Twin Peaks the like three or four episodes that you would pull out as being the real pivotal, pivotal, like black lodge stuff. Right. Like all I had seen just those and I had not seen any of the, like get to know our lovable yet quirky characters around town. Like I hadn't seen any of that. Mm -hmm. So fire walk with me actually really worked for me too. The first time I saw it. Yeah. I, um, I think had this been the first David Lynch I, movie I'd ever seen, mm. I don't know if it would have worked. Yeah, that's but yeah. <clears throat> having seen Mulholland Drive, uh, God, I love that movie. My pump was already primed for <laughs> weirdness. Yeah, and so going into this, uh, I didn't come out and go, "Ah, yes, it all makes perfect sense." <laughs> But and like, if anyone out there has, please get in touch with us because I have questions. Yeah. I sent you that four-hour video, right? <laughs> yes, you did. I've, I've watched that video multiple times now. I, I just I just enjoy putting it on the background when I'm working. I, I started it, and then I stopped when it was getting too deep into the return, which I shamefully still have not finished. Yeah, well, we're, we're probably going <clears> to... <throat> I might spoil a bunch of that for you in this show. I, I haven't decided. You totally can, because at this point, it's been long enough that it's 100% on me. Okay. Do you know what I yes. mean? Like, like if, if I get spoiled now, it's my fault. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, that video is uh, uh, came under fire from a lot of people because of its... Really? Um, because it, the presentation of it was uh, very uh, absolute. And one of the things, obviously, with mm. David Lynch's work is, I don't know if there's an absolute understanding... Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think he would definitely prefer there not to be. Right, and I, I, I think that video was, it was positing some interesting underlying things mm-hmm. that I I don't, I think people jumped on it a bit too much as being like, they thought the guy was like, this is the only way you can interpret this show. Got it, yeah. But what I got from it was some really interesting analysis and like a lot of, a lot of, fairly substantial evidence to back up the reading that this guy had yeah i think on he the, stretches it in some stuff. places yeah. yeah um but yeah, it was yeah. uh, it, i thought it was a very very interesting video yeah uh and actually made me appreciate the show more like i i, mm-hmm. I watched it and I go oh i actually this makes me think about it in a different way and, and think about how he structured the show and stuff that was the stuff i found the most interesting yeah because i think um that video did did a lot of good work in the vein of giving people who watched it some underlying like themes to yes. keep an eye out yeah. on, yeah. which like, even if you interpret them differently, it's helpful sometimes to have somebody go through these hours and hours of, you know, cause at this point you have the two seasons of the original twin peak series. You've got the one season of the return and mm-hmm. you've got Firewalk with me and like, the, this, the TV shows are long. You know, that's yeah. a lot of hours of yeah. material. It's easy to miss stuff. That's not even to mention the multiple books. Yes. That may or may not be canon yeah. depending on what day it is. My friend gave me the Twin Peaks cookbook. Oh, is it just donut recipes? It's like pie recipes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think probably donuts. It's super cute. It's I, I will have to dig it up and like and, and show it to you because it's very it's very 90s looking. Yeah. It's wonderful. I love Excellent. it. It's a great gift. Um. But yeah, so this I this was my first introduction to Twin Peaks and um 
just dove right into the deep end. Yeah. I thought that it actually worked really well um, for, uh, you know, well, I don't know how much I want to get into this right now. Before. Oh, let's do the rest of the preamble. Then we can get sure. Yeah. Stuff. We forgot to do all of the stuff we usually yeah, do at yeah, the yeah. top of these. <laughs> um, we're we're going to play the trailer for you. Uh, and we will be right back. You know what we should have done? We should have yeah. done this entire episode in backwards speak. I'm not talented enough to do that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, okay, we'll play the trailer. Be right, be right back. There is no other person who could have known where it was. Did Bobby give you this? Or is there someone new? Your Laura disappeared. It's just me now. You made me write it all down. Don't do that. She doesn't like that. How do you know what she likes? Just like my Laura. Okay, Twin Peaks. So before we get into the movie, okay. I wanted to play this this beer commercial for you from oh from the mid nineties. Oh boy, um, which is a glorious mashup of very much David Lynch Firewalk with Me inspired camera work uh-huh. and grunge music, Ooh. And grunge culture. Ooh, it's become a bit of an in joke with my friend Dan and I. So I just want you to bring you in and, and want you to watch this commercial because okay. you, if you're anything like me. It's just the first time you're going to watch it of many. <laughs> Los Angeles, start your VCRs. Stay with more energy. All of a sudden, I'm thirsty. Give me a so I go to the refrigerator. I can't tell I just know how it's going to taste. <laughs> and I take that awesome first long drink. <laughs> And it hits me right there. <laughs> I am gobsmacked. Yeah. I have. N- what just happened? Were those supposed to be? Were those? Were we supposed to believe that they were real youths? I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's just like a long-haired dude sitting mm-hmm. in between two girls, and one of them is dressed sort of like. She's dressed like Bob, but she's got the the hair and the face of Marilyn Monroe, yep. and she keeps mm-hmm. talking in a weird wannabe Audrey kind of voice. Yep. About how much she 
likes Bud Light, and he's just yelling in the background while like a overhead light swings around. Yeah, them. just doing some music acapella grunge vocalists. Yeah, 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 as most grunge vocalists were known to do. Yes. <laughs> wow. Anyway, that's just a weird curiosity from from the annals of history Beautiful. that I thought was pretty fun. That's pretty uh, great. If if you're listening to the show and you'd like to watch it, just look up uh, Bud Light Grunge, and it'll be the first thing that shows up. <laughs> Bud Light Grunge does sound like a disgusting, like, sub-brand. Okay. Um, Twin Peaks. By the way, buckle up. This might be a long one. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, (laughs) We are clearly a little punch drunk on this one. We have all of Twin Peaks we need to cover, because that's, in order to talk about this correctly, we need to talk about all of Twin Peaks at the same time, so. Yeah. Yeah. Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me from 1992, directed by David Lynch, written by David Lynch and Robert Engels, starring Cheryl Lee, Ray Wise, Chris Isaac, Kiefer Sutherland, Kyle MacLachlan, Miguel Ferrer, Moira Kelly, David Bowie, Frank Silva, and the grandma from Happy Gilmore. (laughs) Amanda, what happens in Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me? All right, are you guys ready for this? Let's do it. Laura Palmer's harrowing final days are chronicled one year after the murder of Teresa Banks, a resident of Twin Peaks' neighboring town. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, now I want to know. You said there was a really long one that was... There was a... So there was also of these summaries that I find on the internet because mm-hmm. I'm too lazy to write my own. <laughs> uh, there was the really long one that I got mad at because mm-hmm. it has a factual inaccuracy in the very okay, first sentence. Okay, let's hear it. In the folksy town of Deerfield, Washington, Mm -hmm. FBI agent Desmond inexplicably disappears while hunting for the man who murdered a teen girl. The killer is never apprehended, and after experiencing dark visions and supernatural encounters, agent Dale Cooper chillingly predicts that the culprit will claim another life. Meanwhile, in the similarly cozy town of Twin Peaks, Hedonistic beauty Laura Palmer, also Laura is spelled wrong, Uh. hangs with lowlifes and seems destined for a grisly fate. What I like about these two back-to-back is that one (laughs) sounds like one that was written where they were really trying to encapsulate the movie. Yeah. And then they just control A, deleted everything, and was like the last days of Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. Done. Yeah. (laughs) I like the set. The first one I did, I like more because it's it's correct. Right. The second one I do not like because it's Deer Meadow, Washington, Uh. not Deer Field, Washington. It's Agent Chet Desmond, who disappears. Um, what else? There's a couple other things. Uh, similarly cozy town because they call it a folksy town of Deerfield. Mm. It's kind of a garbage town. Yeah, which is we're going to get into I want to talk about. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of inaccurate to call it a folksy or cozy town. And then calling Laura, or as they say, Lara Palmer, a hedonistic beauty, and just saying she hangs with low lives and is destined for a grisly fate, I mm-hmm. think is very reductive and unfair to Laura. I would agree. All right. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> what are some things we might find in this movie? Some things you will find in this movie, Clay, include mm-hmm. David Bowie providing his own wardrobe. He had to have. I swear I've seen that suit in a 90s Bowie music yeah, video. Yeah, I, uh, I read in the, the, the trivia that they jammed his filming like five days into uh in between rehearsals for the tin machines tour oh. so i have to imagine he just showed he up just showed up yeah. with whatever he was wearing at yeah. rehearsal yeah i also read in the trivia that hiring him started off as a joke did it really yeah 
<laughs> that when they were working on it, one of the like office assistants or whatever, every time they talked about a character, she would make the joke as played by David Bowie nice. for all of them. And finally, David Lynch just went, you know who we should hire? We should hire David Bowie. I would believe. Just called him up and got him. I, if, if David Lynch finally gave an interview or like you had a, a cup of a coffee, spiked coffee with mm-hmm. him, and you were the only two around, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was like, hey, everything I do starts as a joke. <laughs> but I think he's too sincere for that. Probably, yeah. yes. Uh, you'll also find a cup of Good Morning America. Strongest coffee this side of the Mississippi. <clears throat> Best cup of coffee you're going to have. Uh, the Great Went. I don't understand what that is supposed to mean. And she was the muffin. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just clip out I don't understand what that's supposed to yeah. mean. And I'll just <laughs> put it on like a soundboard and yeah. I'll hit it yeah. anytime. Run it on loop for the yeah. next hour and change and we have our episode turkey slander i've had enough of this slander of turkeys gobble 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 yes <laughs> the best the best uh gobble gobble turkey line delivery this side of geely i don't know if you've ever seen geely <laughs> i have a... not but the fact that you have makes me very i happy. saw geely in the theater <laughs> oh my god i went on purpose with multiples of our friends we went there specifically to say we saw geely in the theater our plan was to see geely and then go see something else afterwards when Geely was over, we just wanted to go home. You all came out crying, well, not was, because you were emotionally moved. No, it was like a, it was a, it was just like a, a taxing experience. So we just everybody yeah, went. Everybody home. needed a nap. Yes. Um, the world's most foreboding ceiling fan. Yeah, they really dialed that thing up. Like when he turns yeah. the fan on. Yeah. Oh, geez. once you realize why he's turning it on, right? It's like, oh god, this yeah. is disgusting. Ugh. Mini David Lynch. That kid looks, I mean, I'm sure it's on purpose, but he yes. looks exactly like uh, like David Lynch. One of my favorite characters in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gratuitous Jürgen Prochnow. Yes. Weird cameo from Jürgen Prochnow as How one did of I miss the, this? Uh, he's one of the uh, woodsmen oh. in the, above the convenience store with uh, the arm and yes. Bob there. Now I know how I missed this because there's a lot going on in that yeah, convenience it's store. Like, it's like 10 frames <laughs> of Jürgen Brock now. It's yeah. hard to, uh, to, to kind of fix on, on, to get the whole scene fixed in your mind. Yeah, he uh, um, the, he and David Lynch have a prior relationship, clearly, because oh, yeah. uh, he was he played Duke Leto in uh, Dune. Oh, I don't yeah. know if he's been in anything else David Lynch has done. but uh, in the background somewhere. Yeah, he's got a very... No. recognizable face yes so yes. even under a giant fake beard but uh and the last thing you'll find in this movie is unquestionably horrible parenting yes like there's no question this time yeah it's almost like we should almost stop doing that gag after yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i feel like there was there was maybe one or two other movies that we use this we use this gag and then I end up saying like I don't know how it gets worse than this. Mm-hmm. I found it. Yep. I found it. Here yep. it is. This is pretty much pretty much it, I think. <laughs> uh so yeah, we're gonna talk a lot about a lot of things. We're not gonna talk about Judy. We're not gonna about, talk about Judy yeah. at all. Um, don't bring Judy into this. <laughs> oh man, I love this movie. It's so <laughs> fucking weird. Um okay. Clay's just gonna sit here in his leisure suit. I I, his I just don't even on the know. edge of the desk. And Helga might know that he found something. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with this. Okay, so, um, yeah, so the first time I saw this. Yes. I had not seen Twin Peaks. Yes. Um, and 
watching it again this time, I've seen it maybe two or three times since then, mm-hmm. uh, since having watched Twin Peaks, but I haven't really like watched it, watched it. Yeah. Um, I have it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I'll put it on from time to time if I'm doing stuff or whatever. <laughs> you know, I just love the sound of women screaming in the background yeah. when I work. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the first time I watched it, I keyed in to the story of Lara. Uh-huh. I think the story, aside from the first 20 minutes of the movie with Chris Isaac, yes, uh, the story of Lara is, is very engaging and very um, well-drawn. Yeah. And Cheryl Lee has like this masterclass performance. Oh my God, yeah. That I don't even know how a person like gets to the places that she has to go in this. Yeah. Or I gets back from them, frankly. I have no idea. Yeah. And... Um, so when I when I saw it that first time, I really kind of keyed into this. Like, wow, this is a really unbelievable story about this girl who uh, every she's on this dark path, and everybody kind of abandons her. Like, I'm I'm kind of stripping away the weird stuff at this point, right? Yeah. And you just end up with this story about a girl whose father's abusing her, and she's just kind of spiraling out of control, and ultimately yeah. dies, yeah, or is killed. Um, watching it this time. I feel like this movie should have been called Twin Peaks The Explanation. Because while all everything I just Please said Clay, is still explain true. Explain it to us. Well, no, because I feel like while everything I just said is still true, uh-huh. this is a, a really weird movie in that it explains everything, but it explains nothing at the same time. So like mm. it goes out of its way to put all the pieces that you recognize from the show into place. Yeah. Like the diary and the key in the notebook and the missing pages and all this other, like the showing where she was, where these other characters were. Yeah. Kind of telling that backstory, but it doesn't answer any of the larger like universe questions. Right. Which is not something that David Lynch is ever going to do. Yeah. And this movie did not get well received. Yeah. And I think, Part of that, or probably most of it, is because they he explains a bunch of shit from this show where everybody just wants an explanation, but he didn't explain the stuff people wanted him to explain, mm-hmm. and so it ends up just kind of falling flat. Well, also, I think some of the things that people think they want explained, they really don't. Yes. You know, yes. I, I have I have strong beliefs the beliefs in that, and similarly, like, this is a little off topic. But you know how there's always like the cool kind of side character in the thing mm-hmm. that is everybody's favorite character. The kind of big one is Han Solo. Sure. And everyone thinks they want to know everything about Han Solo and then they come out with a Han Solo movie and no one likes it. Yes. And it's like that movie could have been the be- a great movie, but it's just not it's not you what mean, you want to know. What really. do you mean? I want to know how he got the word name Chewie from the name Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> What are, you, what are you talking about? But do you know what I mean? Like people, yeah, people totally. think yeah. they want more of one thing sometimes, and it's not—they don't actually want it all spelled out for them the mm-hmm. way that you, you know you might think you do at first. Yeah. Well, this movie um, is the is a prequel to the TV show Twin Peaks. Yes. Which the TV show Twin Peaks famously um, starts with the discovery of Laura Palmer's body. Yep. And the main mystery throughout the show is who killed Lara Palmer and that is kind of used as this 
springboard into the town of Twin Peaks where you're introduced to all of these characters and ultimately this sort of like weird supernatural lore and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it all hangs on who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. And when they got into season two of the show... I hope I hope you don't feel like I'm talking at you because I know I know you know all this stuff, but <laughs> no, I'm no, just no, I understand. summarizing. We, for, we've got to yeah. summarize it quick because we've got a lot to cover. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they got into season two of the show, the network basically forced them to reveal who killed Lara because everybody was just dying to know who killed Lara. And David Lynch very much did not want to do that. Right. Because he knew as soon as you reveal who killed Lara Palmer, the show dies. Yep. Which is exactly what happened. Yep. They revealed who killed Lara Palmer. It was her dad. Yep. And then everyone was like, oh. And then the show just loses all momentum because now. Right. Because why do you want to keep tuning in? I mean, it's like you you might have over the first season of the show grown to to love certain characters, but none of them had a plot aside from figuring out what happened to Laura. Right. That was compelling enough to keep you engaged just for that plot. Yeah. And no one, no other plot tied all of these people and threads together. Like, she was the only through line for right. all of them. Right. And once you remove that, there's all these different, like, side, like, B-plots and C-plots that just kind of are out there in the world, but they don't have anything to do with each other anymore. Yeah, and he left the show at that point, yeah, and so... Yeah, it, was, then it, it seemed becomes, very acrimonious. Yeah, it's like, remember that season of Community? Yes, the Dan, gas leak yeah, season. Yeah, where Dan Harmon left, <laughs> and so everybody's trying to write Community like Harmon and yeah. his crew did, but it just doesn't feel right. Right. It becomes that. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back for the end of the, the end of the second season, and they the last episode's really good, and they kind of ended on a cliffhanger and stuff, and that yeah. that went unanswered for twenty five years. Yeah, I'll see you again in twenty five years. Yes, yes, man, planned that out very well. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, from that video I was telling you about, yep, one of the things that I took from it was uh, one of the origins of the show, mm-hmm. which is that. It was a response to uh, murder of the week type shows. Yeah. Where you're basically just consuming all of this pain and suffering. Garmin Bosia. And you get your closure on whatever the murder was. It's all expendable. It's all um, disposable. Right. And then, you know, you never care about any of the any of the people involved or the people who are killed. And so he set up this story where it forces you to care about who Laura Palmer was because that right. is the whole crux of the story. You can't just throw Laura Palmer out there. And so when they eventually did, that whole thing just went in the trash bin because yeah. now it be- she becomes disposable again. And so this movie is very much kind of like expanding on this idea where it's like if you want more Twin Peaks I'm going to make you care about Laura Palmer again right by showing you all of the twisted shit that led up to her being killed and how everybody in her life basically let her down yeah and I think it's a I think it's a really great movie I I do too and I think it's so it's so interesting because it's it is a it's a horror movie but it's a tragedy too sure you know what I mean like like if you if you know anything about you've heard anything about Twin Peaks, you know she dies. Mm-hmm. So you go into this movie knowing that she's not gonna make it out. Yeah, like like she's not gonna survive this, and yet you still get invested. You know, like like as you kind of watch her spiraling and like watch everything in her life go from sort of. 
she's like just on the precipice when mm-hmm. when when the movie starts with her like things aren't going great for her obviously and she's just sort of just barely holding it together she yeah. just barely yeah. has a facade where she's got like a normal friend and she goes to school and she's got a boyfriend and she does extracurricular stuff but she's like right up on the edge and then the rest of this movie is her falling over that edge yeah, yeah. and all of the things that push her to that um yeah, and, and Cheryl Lee is just such an amazing actor. Yes, like, yeah. If I, I really think that she is a huge part of the reason why this movie works. Oh, I would say she's the only reason yeah. this movie works. Her and Ray Wise. Ray Wise is yes. equally as good. Ray Wise, is a, he's amazing in this as well. But if you don't believe yeah. Cheryl Lee's performance, the movie yeah. doesn't work at all. Yeah. And it does, it, you know, it feels like a very sad love letter from Lynch to this character. Yeah. You know, yeah, where it's just like... How could someone not feel for her? Like, mm-hmm. how could someone not feel empathy for her yeah. and, like, recognize that the tragedies in her life were not her fault? Like, she didn't make the best decision all the time, but she's she was essentially a child. And yeah. all of the adults in her life let her down over and over again. Yeah, she had been, she says she'd been being abused since she was 12. Yeah. So, you know, six years or so at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think... One of the things strikes against this movie, and I don't mean for me, but just mm. from the general public, sure. is that you know the breakout thing or star from yeah. Twin Peaks is Kyle MacLachlan, who plays Agent yes. Cooper. Yeah, people, very kinda, people love Cooper. Yeah, people I love, love Cooper, Cooper. Cooper. I get it. Very, very quirky kind of character. And so, you know, and, and Twin Peaks, the show, has a very quirky kind of uh, weirdness to it. Yeah. But it's a safe weirdness because yes. it's it's... Network television, so you can only push things so far, right? Yeah. So, like, Bobby Briggs, he's a scumbag, but he's not, like, he's, like, a lovable scumbag. I was going to say, he's a scumbag, but even he, there's a sympathetic angle to him. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's a soft side. Like, he really does seem to love sure. Shelly. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, he, he, has, he has things about him that redeem him, and there are things he does that suck. But, like, yeah, he, like, most of the characters are either complicated but deep down good people or they're just the bad guys yeah like leo's just a bad guy right jacques is just a bad guy bob is obviously the ultimate bad guy Mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's network tv it's 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 pretty clear where the lines fall yeah and you know you can they have one-eyed jacks which is this Mm -hmm. kind of like whorehouse yeah. But it's a network television whorehouse. Right. So All the like girls are in harmless. like lingerie. Yeah. It looks a little bit more like the Playboy Bunny outfits than it does like yeah. what an actual like deep in the woods hidden in Canada whorehouse probably yeah. would look like. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's sleazy, but it's safe sleazy. You it's know? not the, uh, what, what is, what's the name of the second bar in this movie, Firewalk? Oh, is geez. it the Power and the Glory or something? Something like, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah, and I think that's... Which is like a shack in the woods with a bunch of, like, creeps and a bunch of girls getting roofied and, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's one of the the things about this that makes this movie difficult, if you're a fan of the show, is because you're stepping into a different world of Twin Peaks where you don't have the safety of network television in front of you. Yeah. So Bobby shoots a guy in the fucking head, like, graphically in this movie. Oh, yeah. You know, Lara gets sexually assaulted... 
she gets raped like three times in yeah. this movie, I like mean, on camera. It's not it's not X rated raped, but it's definitely right. that's what's happening. Yeah, and and you know, there's all sorts of nudity and like. Yep. It's not like. <laughs> pardon the expression but it's not like fun nudity you know <laughs> right right it's not cute like let's go skinny dipping before jason kills us right it's you like... know like like in the show you've got your donna hayward character who's yeah. laura's best friend who's a very kind of like uh virginal presenting i don't know if she's sleeping with anybody but she's like a very uh kind she, of she's more of like a nancy drew yeah, figure she's nancy drew you track. know like like it's it's less about her sexuality and more about her trying to figure out the mystery and then also like yeah she has like a romantic arc yeah. as well but it's not about like 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 that just just doesn't enter into her character right in the show. it's it's a she has a romantic arc that is very much like uh like a 50s movie yes. romantic it's very arc sweet it's very chaste fairly chaste yeah in this movie she gets roofied and has her top yeah. taken off and yeah. she's just like naked while this dude's just like licking her and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she's so out of it that like the next day she seems to not remember. Yeah. Mostly that. It and happened. it's like in that specific scene, Lara's response, I feel like she's responding on, ha- on behalf of the audience. Yeah. Where it's like, she looks over and she's like, Donna? Like she, yeah, she like, registers what the fuck? Yeah. that it's Donna that this is happening to. She's like, this is not okay. Right. But, I, you know, I'm jumping all over the place here. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> I think that's part of the, the trouble getting into this movie. Yeah, is it's you, a much darker piece yeah. than the show was. Yeah, and I, I think um, what it does is it forces you to kind of reconcile the entertainment value you've taken out of the story of this girl who was raped by her father and then murdered yeah by presenting it in a fairly blunt way yeah that is i mean i hate (laughs) i hesitate to say that this is an entertaining movie i Mm. think it is an entertaining movie but Mm. i don't want to sound like a sociopath when i say that (laughs) but you know what i mean though right it's like right it's engaging it's it's fascinating it definitely keeps your attention but it's not it's not fluff. Like, it's not right. silly. Yeah. It's not cute. It's not quirky. It's not endearing or heartwarming or any of those things. Like, there are there are moments of sympathy and compassion and, like, moments of redemption in this movie. But mm-hmm. by and large, it's a dark thing to watch. And, yeah, I think it's a lot different to hear about the things that Laura goes through second or third hand in the show. Yeah. It's a lot different to hear that. And then see it actually in in action. Oh, totally! Like yeah. it's it's two completely different experiences because it forces you to give up some of the distance you have as a viewer. Exactly. To like sit there and and just sit and and watch it as it actually occurs to her. Yeah. 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 And I, I love David Lynch's um, defiance in making sequels mm. because this does feel like they were like, we need you to make more Twin Peaks. Is like okay yeah if you insist buckle up (laughs) and same with the return i feel like he he approaches twin peaks the return with the same kind of i do think the return is a little bit more balanced yes i do too i i I think some of the i i don't want to read too much into firewalk with me but i do think there's a level of bitterness there oh definitely where there's a little bit of like uh you all wanted your fun kind of soap opera e show Mm -hmm. to keep you entertained I'm going to give you the story of a girl's life falling apart horrifically and then her getting murdered. Yeah. 
And I feel like the return sort of found the balance between the two where it's mm-hmm. not quite so soap opera y and it's not quite just like a quirky, fun, silly show. And it's also not as dark as Firewalk yeah. with me. Like, I, there's I, more opportunity for light. Yeah. I do think in the return though, he's uh he's messing with not messing, but he is taking expectations and yeah. crunching them in his hand in a different way. Yeah. Um you know, the character of Dougie springs to mind. Yes. Um, with who on the first watch, the whole time I'm going like, okay, okay, okay. Then I watched through it again. I was like, I love Dougie. I fucking See, love Dougie. See, I'm having that experience right now. Yeah, because it's weird, I, right? I watched the first, like, what are there, like 16 episodes 18. in The Return? 18. Yeah. I think I got to like 12 mm-hmm. or something, and now I think I'm on like 7. Um, so yeah, I'm having a very different, the first time I was just sort of kind of like, I don't want Dougie. I want right. Cooper. That's why he's doing it. Yeah, exactly. Did you get to the episode... That has a five-minute shot of the guy sweeping the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I think I did the first time through. I don't think I'm there yet. Yeah. He just, he, 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 it's basically like what he was doing for um, uh, network television with the first version of the show. Yeah. I I feel like he is now taking that same approach to streaming. Yeah. Where everything is so disposable and everything is so fast and yeah. so quick. Everybody binges everything. And it's all about, you know, oh, here's my favorite thing. Here, Here's your favorite thing. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to make you fucking work for this. Yes. Which I appreciate. I do too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Slow down and, and kind of settle in and watch this for what it is, not for what you wish it exactly, was. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking of. Yes. Getting back to the movie. Uh, so the <laughs> first be a long one. There's a lot of interesting like behind the scenes things with this movie that I think ended up shaping it into what it was. Mm. Um, Kyle MacLachlan, who plays Dale Cooper, did not want to do the movie. Huh. Uh, he was talked into it by having a much uh, what's the word uh, scaled back mm. involvement. Um, he didn't want to do it f- for typecasting reasons. Yeah. Uh, Donna. Larflin Boyle, who plays Donna, couldn't do it for scheduling reasons. I'm not oh. sure why Sherilyn Fenn isn't in it. Um, but there's there's people missing. Yeah. And uh, to replace Agent Cooper, the first like half of well, like half an hour of this movie yeah. is kind of like weird, bizarro doppelganger Twin Peaks. Yes. Which on first watch, I feel like is very confusing. Yes. But I think if you are more um, into what the show is into and what mm-hmm. David Lynch is into, in, mm-hmm. in, as far as doppelgangers and, and doubles and stuff go, it becomes right. very interesting. Yeah, yeah. If there's a if there's a white lodge and a black lodge, mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense that there's a you know a Twin Peaks and a Deer Meadow. Yeah, like yeah. that that sort of tracks in the general David Lynch cosmology you know we've got like kind of two of everyone Mm -hmm. all the time (laughs) like right yeah you know you've got cooper and and chet desmond but you've also got chet and sam stanley but you've Mm -hmm. also got cooper and jeffries Mm -hmm. and they all kind of wear the same outfits well jeffries doesn't because he's david bowie (laughs) um but even the fact that um there's there's a moment where leland says to Teresa, you look just like my laura yeah like there's just like doubling and like having two of things and, and people and places makes a lot of sense. So it's fun to watch the first half an hour in Deer Meadow and kind of pick out all the little ways that it's mm. like the same but so different. 
Like even in like the the sheriff's office, like the layout is flipped kind of. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like even just based on kind of the camera angles, I feel like I could be just pulling this out of my ass. (laughs) But I feel like Lucy's usually when they come in kind of on the other side of the door i think you're right yeah from where she, she, the re- she's on the left i think yeah, yeah from where the receptionist in deer meadow is and like obviously there's the big stuff like the, the sheriff and the deputy are assholes mm-hmm. as opposed to like andy and harry and twin peaks who the were coffee really... was fresh two weeks ago right yeah. right yeah um but yeah all of that stuff's really interesting and and i think like kind of a little more realistic Mm. you know like these small towns even back in the 90s like small towns in the middle of rural areas in america were not doing well economically like you were more likely to find people who couldn't afford dental care and didn't have full-time jobs and maybe did have a drug problem and maybe were slipping into prostitution because there wasn't anything else for them to do and people who lived in trailer parks so it's we, it's another way in which I think this movie kind of steps out of the very manufactured TV world and into something a little bit closer to reality. Sure. Um, and also it's just kind of fun. It's just kind of yeah, fun to see yeah. like what if what if Twin Peaks but bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the the big difference is that in the show Twin Peaks, the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department is very open to working with Cooper. And in this one, they are very much not open to working with Chet Desmond. Well, and they don't want to investigate the murder at all. Right, yeah. Like, they, yeah. They're, they're like, she's whatever, her body's out back in the morgue, I guess. Yeah. Well, we, we do learn later on that it's it's there's clearly corruption involved because the oh, guy yeah. that Bobby kills, I think, is the deputy, yeah. right, from Deer Meadow? Yeah, Cliff. Yeah. I think it's Cliff. Yeah. But, it, but it's another fascinating juxtaposition where it's sort of like, you know, when Laura is killed and when her body is discovered the whole town kind of falls apart yeah in in different in in different ways and to varying extents but it's sort of like it affects everyone because i think everyone feels kind of collectively responsible for not helping her sure but they're also like good people so they, they they care they didn't pay enough attention to this girl who needed help but that doesn't make them evil people it right, just means right. that they they could have done more and they didn't and now they feel about like they it, it, it impacts them for the rest of their lives whereas in deer meadow when Teresa gets killed they're like ah, oh, whatever she was a drifter she's right, not right. from here no one really cares like they go around they interview the the she worked at the diner and they interview the woman who runs the diner mm-hmm. and she's like what can they're like what can you tell us about Teresa?" and she's like nothing yeah yeah. You know, I don't know, whatever. It's, I think she had a cocaine addiction. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, no one no one seems to care about her as a person. Like, people care about Laura. When Laura dies, Cooper and the sheriff's office are trying to figure out what happened. Donna and James are trying to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. When Teresa dies, it's just, you know, Chet and Sam Stanley show up, and that's it. Yeah. This, this sequence actually um, struck me uh differently because i had just done another podcast um i don't think it has come out yet a batman podcast where, mm. where uh, i came on and i talked about two stories from the book batman black and white which is a book Ooh, full of nice. um, short stories yeah and one of the stories that i talked about was one that like i found really affecting um mm. 
and it's the entire thing is just it's like an eight short eight page story about Batman doing an autopsy on a girl who's been murdered Ooh. and uh, taking basically learning what happened to her through the the clues that are on her body. We all know how I feel about <laughs> autopsies. I I do, but <laughs> remind the listeners because I picked autopsy of Jane. Doe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, and. Um, Essentially, through this story, you kind of get this understanding that that uh, this is this is a Jane Doe that he's that mm. he's uh, um, examining. You you get this other side of Batman that I don't think is very uh, people forget about, where he, the writer Ted McKeever presents Batman as someone who takes just as seriously rem- figuring out the the names of the the. Mm the people who don't have names anymore yeah and basically holding those inside him is just as important as finding the people who killed them yeah and in that story you don't even see him find the guy yeah like the the end of the story is he figures out through what she ate that she works at a diner Mm. and so the end of the story is him figuring out what her name is yeah and it's just a really nicely done story and i i I was thinking of that when I was watching this because that diner scene, the yeah. the, the woman who works at the diner is so uh, dismissive and like casual about the fact that she doesn't know anything about her. And yep. it's just, I don't know. It was just crossing, crossing wires of imagery and stuff I, that I found interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that's really interesting. And I think it's, it sort of kind of goes into the, like even the difference between how they do Teresa's autopsy versus like Laura's mm. in Twin Peaks, where it's it's much more it's more graphic in this. Oh like, sure, yeah. You see Teresa's face very much. She looks very dead, mm-hmm. and it's like well-meaning from the FBI agents, but it is kind of you know. It's dehumanizing and it doesn't give them a ton to go on. Like, it's not revelatory. And even, like, I feel like um, Kiefer Sutherland's character is kind of like, f- you know, he finds the, 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 um, the letter under the fingernail, mm-hmm. which comes back with Laura, right? She's, right? she's got, I forget what letter is under hers. I think it might be an R. Yeah. I mean, it spells out Robert. Yeah. It is. Um, but yeah, but even he's kind of, you know, he's he's sort of bumbling and they sort of use like, he's like, well, I should really take her back to Portland to do like a better examination. And Chet's immediately like, yep, yeah, you should. You should do that. You should go. Yeah. Like you should. Yeah, you should totally take her and, and you should leave and I can just do this myself. Yeah. 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 I, so how do you feel about this beginning section? I I feel like maybe we should like just t- talk about chunks. Because yeah. I feel like the whole the whole night we could be like, well, then there's the part and where they do this. And what about this thing. and yeah. then this? Yeah. So, like, wh- the first half an hour with Chet Desmond is kind of its yeah. own little story that ends with Chet going back to the trailer park to investigate the trailers again. And he mm-hmm. finds the owl ring. Yes. Which then apparently removes him from existence. Yep. And then <laughs> you Just go from disappears there. disappears him altogether. And then you go from there and then Cooper shows up. But like, how do you feel about that that opening chunk, the the Chet Desmond chunk? I go back and forth. I I sometimes I think it's a little too long. Like yeah. I, I don't know if we needed their drive into Deer Meadow. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. But I I do like it. 
I do like that it sort of comes into this world at a different angle. Yeah. Like a sim a similar but different angle because if I recall correctly I mean so so Twin Peaks begins the TV show begins with the discovery of Laura's body and then I think like her friends and family finding out, right? Yes, they find the body and then you uh you're introduced to the uh the friends and family and then they find out in succession, yeah. Right. And so this kind of starts it the other way around, where instead of coming at it from the community's point of view, because Teresa doesn't have a community, Mm. you come at it from the FBI coming in. Yeah. So it's as though you lopped off that first half or so of of episode one and just came in with Cooper arriving on the Mm. scene. And so I think it's interesting because it's a parallel that kind of emphasizes how different this situation is. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie is kind of drawing in connections about like, why, like, why did we start with Teresa? Mm. Like, why did we start here? And it shows how in a lot of ways she sort of kicks off like her decisions and the things she does in her life kind of kick off the rest of what happens in Twin Peaks. Sure. Like yeah. Laura kind of dies because of decisions that Teresa makes. Not yeah. that Teresa, yeah. you know, no, I'm not trying to like be like, it's her fault. She did it. <laughs> I just mean like she is one of many factors that pushes the situation to its kind of inevitably tragic conclusion. Sure. Yeah. It just through her and, and her existence, it gets there a little faster. Um, So it, it ultimately, this is a very long way of saying like, I do enjoy it. Yeah. I, I think some of it's, some of it's tough to parse and like I love the tough to parse stuff. Like I love the weird stuff. I love the oh, yeah. uh the, the Philip Jeffries sequence, I think is just fantastic. But it can feel very separate from yes. what else is going on in that section of the movie where yeah. you're sort of like you've gotten you've gotten this sort of introduction to Chet Desmond and Sam Stanley and David Lynch as his FBI director self is sending them to solve this murder and, and all of that. And then you kind of get the Jeffrey stuff. Right. And it feels very like, wait, what is this doing here? And yeah. then they kind of move away from it and they never, they never come back to it and address it. Like Jeffrey's never comes back. He never really gets talked about for the rest of the movie. Doesn't come back in this movie. Right. Yes. Yeah. But like, no. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's the it's tough because I, I I like I like the Chet Desmond stuff mm-hmm. from the uh, inverted Twin Peaks angle. Yeah. And I do find it interesting to that uh, Ter- Teresa, right? Yes. Teresa is connected, is clearly connected to the, the, the murder. I yeah. think it's a little convenient. Because I don't, mm. I don't know how far away from Twin Peaks this place is. Isn't it supposed to be like the next town? Is over? it the next town? Okay, yeah. all right, maybe it's not that convenient then. <laughs> um, but uh, I, and I love Lil, the oh. blue, the blue rose lady. Yes, which who's like the most David Lynch character to ever appear in a David yes. Lynch movie. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like her and the and the woman who's the singer in Mul- Mulholland Drive. Yes, yeah. You know, uh, they did at the Brattle. They did a screening of Mulholland Drive either earlier this year or late last year where they had her come in and perform. Oh, my God. It sold out, like, immediately. Otherwise, oh, I would have went. Oh, my but, God. Yeah. That um, must have been amazing. But, yeah, I think I think, I think think this is a movie that works better 
on second watch. Yeah. Because the Chet Desmond stuff is so abruptly ended. Yes. Like the information you're getting from that is important to the story. Right. But it's not like Chet Desmond shows up ever again. Like he has never right. shown up. He does not show up in the return. Right. I Sam, kind of was expecting him Sam to show up. Sam Stanley isn't around. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland's yeah. character never shows up again. Yep. Um, but the information you get from there about Teresa and, you know, she, yep. how she's connected and stuff, that that is interesting. The inverted Twin Peaks nature is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it does. This movie does feel very chopped up. Yes. And th- there's 90 minutes of footage that mm. is not in this movie. Holy shit. Most of which <laughs> includes all the characters from the show who aren't in the movie. <laughs> so like you can really kind of kind of see places where they're kind of piecing things together. Yeah. Like the the Philip Jeffrey scene. My my memory of that scene was not as hectic because yeah. I believe I think on the DVD in the extended deleted scene Is there like a longer version of it? Yeah, there's a full version of that okay. scene that okay. doesn't have all that other stuff layered on top of it. Yeah. And I feel like I maybe watched that at some point because I I also felt very surprised at like how hard it was to watch that scene and try to even sort of get a, a full mental picture yeah. of what was going on during it. Yeah, that's a scene where honestly I don't think it makes sense in the movie in and of itself. Mm. I think if you are versed in the whole lore, that scene works okay. Because sure. it's part of the larger story, but if right. we're talking about just I this movie, I think you call it convenience store. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, if you're if you're just watching this movie, I think you can lose the Philip Jeffrey stuff and not miss anything. Right, which is a bummer because I love the Philip Jeffrey stuff. Yeah, that's the pro- <laughs> that's the problem. Is like you're losing you're you're not losing anything story wise, but you're losing yeah. something texture wise. Yes, and I it's think a good way of putting it. One of the things we should get into, since this is a horror movie podcast. <laughs> is whether or not this movie is scary. Mm. And I would say that it is, yeah. but it's not traditionally scary because David Lynch's movies are fucking scary, but yeah. they're not traditionally scary. He has this unbelievable knack for um, tension yes. that seems to come out of nowhere. Like yeah. He just knows how to build unease. Yes. And like the Philip Jeffrey scene is a really good example of that where, you yeah. know, you've got the stuff where Cooper's walking back and forth. Yeah. Being a weirdo with security, playing with security cameras. Yeah. And then he <laughs> walks back to check the tape. Yeah. As Jeffrey's walks by him. But that couldn't have actually happened. You know, it's right. difficult to explain. Well, but, and he stays on the tape longer right, than he possibly yes. could have. Yeah. And so and then you've just got David Bowie waltzing into this scene doing a yeah. weird southern accent. Not well, it, talking about Judy, yeah, whoever one, Judy is. One of the things I love about that, too, is that when Cooper sees the security footage where he has kind of stayed static on it and Jeffries comes through and walks past him, he immediately starts yelling. Um, what is David Lynch's character's name? Gordon. Gordon. He immediately starts yelling Gordon and he sounds very upset. Yeah. Like, it's clearly like this is upsetting to him. This has unsettled him. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of builds that feeling of unease and tension because we as an audience are kind of used to Cooper being sort of like a Zen monk sure, in a weird yeah. way. And so to see him kind of getting riled up and upset like this, it's like, ooh, oh, okay, this is weird. Like, this is this is not just Twin Peaks weird. This is like 
weird, weird. Yeah, and even the energy that that David Bowie brings to the scene He's is so like great. manic and like it's not yeah. what you're expecting. Yeah. Um. And uh, David Lynch's camera movement. He's got the scariest camera I can think of. Like he, yeah. that sort of like floating. It, it's it's almost like a half speed Evil Dead camera. Yeah, is so scary. Yeah, there's something so uneasy about it. The way that he kind of like floats the camera, and he's because always got some kind of like sound. Of, it's like a yeah, and it, and, it. and it moves like it's disconnected from any sort of point of view or perspective that is understandable. Yeah, you know, like it's not it's it doesn't come at things from a from a person height all the time and it doesn't move like a person yeah even like a creepy person you know like a murderer or whoever's hiding it's like it doesn't move like that it doesn't move like anything that makes sense to us right like you're not seeing it from like a dog's level or something it's like this very strange undulation and you know all it takes for him to get to make a scene scary is mm-hmm. just like a flashlight because yeah. so much of it looks like he's just having someone do something kind of weird and then yeah. shaking a flashlight on their face. Yeah. And it's scary as shit. Like like <clears throat> Bud Light grunge Yeah, or exactly. <laughs> as they, as that, that guy figured it out. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it, he also uh, reinforces something I've said on the show multiple times, which I, I quoted from uh, Christopher Lee one time on a commentary I listened to. Mm. Uh, there's nothing scarier in the world than an open door. Oh, yeah. And there's like, this movie has the scariest fucking doors I've yes. ever experienced. Yes. That that photograph or painting of yes. the open door is terrifying. Yeah. Or the first time we see Laura go into her bedroom. That was the, that at the time that I saw that. Yeah. That was probably the scariest thing I've ever seen, rivaled only yeah. by the diner scene from Mulholland Drive. Yeah. It's, it works on the same principle. <laughs> it does. And I'm thinking about it now. And if you hadn't watched the show Twin Peaks, you didn't know shit about Bob. No. That was so my like, first in- introduction to Bob. Yeah. Like If you've seen the show and then you watch the movie, when Laura is terrified and is slowly opening the door to her bedroom, you kind of expect Bob. Yeah. Like, you, 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 maybe he's not there this time, maybe it'll be next time, but you know he's hunting her. Yeah. If you go into this movie not knowing that, you're just like, what the fuck is this dude? Like, yeah, yeah that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, it's, and it's just, I think part of, so he manages to get these unbelievable perform, unbelievably weird performances, unsettling performances yeah. out of people. And I think part of the way he does it, because mm-hmm. we were talking about this a little bit, and I was like, I don't even know what you say to somebody to get them t- to, no to the places that they go to. No idea. I think part of it is he specifically directs them in a way that is incongruous to the scene that they're in. Mm. So, you know, if you're in a, uh, for instance, like in the opening scene when Desmond gets to the sheriff's place, right? Yeah. The way that the woman at the front desk starts laughing when he asks for coffee, mm-hmm. I feel like you have to specifically direct her to do something like that is not in line with the scene she's in. Right. Like, pretend that he has said X, and that's mm. how you respond. And I think I feel like that must be part of it, because yeah. that's what makes things so unsettling, because you go into a scene in a David Lynch movie where you expect you you think you understand how things right. are going to go. Right, based on people's like jobs or positions yeah. in the in the 
in, in the family, in the community, and whatever, based on the setting they're in, you're like, all right, I think a father will act this way, right, and I exactly. think a mother will act this way, and then when you see the way Laura's parents act, you're like, nope, that's not right. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just a really interesting... I think the thing that's so interesting to me about it is if you're not on board with it, mm-hmm. it comes off... like I, I don't think it works or it comes off as as just bad like my a buddy of mine uh every now and then will send me a clip from um lost highway (laughs) where he's like is this what david lynch movies are like because this is the stupidest thing i've ever seen yeah and it's the scene where robert loggia runs the guy off the road and then starts screaming at him about his car having reading the car manual yes and it's like if you okay sure if you cherry pick that one moment out of lost highway and have somebody watch it of course it's going to look ridiculous yes but when it's in a larger piece of this weird tapestry that he weaves yeah it's for some reason it works for some reason it it, things don't seem as out of place and ridiculous in the universe that he creates you know i kind of wonder if that isn't one function that the chet desmond section kind of serves is to sort of help you sink into that atmosphere before you get to laura Mm -hmm. so you're kind of primed and ready for it you know you know what i mean like because i do always feel when i start watching a david lynch thing that i need the first like 15 or 20 minutes to sort of get back into the rhythms of like how his characters act and speak and that this is not just like a low budget poorly acted thing this is an intentional choice right (laughs) like Like watching watching twin peaks the return yeah there's a lot of effects in that show Mm. that are quote-unquote bad yeah right but they are clearly intentional choices yes and they work in that world like the way that he kind of does certain effects in a um uh what's the word i'm looking for um not unrefined but like primitive kind of way yeah feels it feels like well this is this is a show from 2017 they can't get better special effects but he's doing that on purpose right because then you get to an episode like episode eight yes which is the first 20 minutes of zooming slowly into a uh explosion of a nuclear bomb and it's like oh it's not that he didn't have access to good special right or that he can't figure out how to best use them it's right it's just that that scene did not call for them right yeah they are a conscious choice right and so i feel like i always need that sort of the initial period of kind of getting back into those the kind of rhythms and the way the world works in his stuff and I think it does help that you have the, the Chet Desmond section of this movie because then by the time you get to Laura and the Twin Peaks music kicks in, mm-hmm. you're you're ready for it. Like yeah. you've you've sort of reestablished how the people in this world behave and what things look like and, and all of that. And and so when you're there, it's easier to start emotionally connecting with her right away because mm-hmm. you don't need that sort of like buffer period. Yeah, yeah. So how do you what do you think of of the Twin Peaks of this movie? The twin, the Twin Peaks, as in the town or the general vibe of it. I would either one. Yeah, you know, because I mean, you've got the Chet Desmond chunk, and then they're like, okay, we're going to Twin Peaks, right? And as we talked about before, there's there's a, a harder edge to it. Yes, but he is still presenting this known quantity of a town. Yeah, albeit differently. Do you do you like it? Do you wish it was more like the show? Where do you where do you come down on it? 
I like it. I, you know, one of my problems with the show that I think a lot of people had in the second season was that it does go way, it, it goes too far off yeah. for me into the lives and the sort of foibles of like the side characters. Because, yeah, you have lost that central pull of right. like Laura and what has happened to her. And once you don't have her as like a focal point, you know, you're de- dealing with like, you know, Nadine Hurley who thinks she's in <laughs> yes. high school again. And and James, who's off with some lady, and and it all just kind of becomes very disjointed. Yeah. Um. You know, not to sidetrack here. <laughs> we would never. Um, I I'm I was always like, Leland dies shortly after they discover that he that the the shortly after we discover he kills her, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't know why they just didn't keep him around, because yeah. if you if just because we figure out who killed Lara doesn't mean the people in the show have to know. And right. so like, or maybe if maybe they do either way, my point is if Leland mm-hmm. who you establish as having abused and killed his daughter yeah. and then killed his niece yep. um, is just out there in the wind. Yeah. I feel like that kind of would, would have taken the place of yeah. the Lara mystery. Cause then yeah. you never know where Leland is going to show up, what he's yep. going to do. And is when he, he shows up, else? is he going to be Leland or is he going to be Bob? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. I could have saved the show. <laughs> Call us David Lynch. Um, no, I, if I only, I could go back. <laughs> that... If only there was some kind of return you could make. Yes. 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 I'll, I'll explain why that is funnier than you think it is right now in oh a little bit. boy um no I, you know i i like this version of twin peaks because i think it is more honest mm. because we see like you were like you were bringing up earlier you know there is sort of there's stuff going on up at the at the, at, at the hotel there's stuff going on just over the border into canada with one-eyed jacks mm-hmm. and all of this stuff like the roadhouse exists. Oh yeah, like, they, don't, they don't even go to the roadhouse, do they? I, oh no, they no. do. I th- it, it's the Bang Bang Bar. That's the roadhouse, right? I think so. Okay, they definitely go right. there because they. I do. They. I remember seeing the sign. Yeah. Right, but so the, these places exist in the town of Twin Peaks. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's like many other towns. There's really good areas where there's like fancy suburbs and nice houses, and then there are not so good areas. Right. And so I like that this movie, I think, manages to make it feel pretty believable that those are in the same town or nearby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Twin Peaks is a really small town. It doesn't have a whole hell of a lot. There's like Laura's neighborhood's really nice and Donna's neighborhood's really nice. But then there's like the gas station. Right. (laughs) And the diner. And where like Leo and Shelly live, which is clearly Mm -hmm. like shitty spot to have to live so i don't know i like it i I like this version of twin peaks i like that it's not quite as campy it's not quite as like weird in terms of just like oh look at all these characters it's it's a little more balanced i think between the light and the dark yeah i i like it too i um I, i the tv twin peaks feels like the postcard version Yes, that's and, a that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. and Firewalk with me feels like when you actually get there, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, totally, yeah, I I just think it's a really interesting choice, because um, like he had to have been conscious 
of of how he was undercutting the expectation of of what people were going to get out of this. Yeah, but you know, it's interesting because I do think in I haven't watched original Twin Peaks in a while, but I do remember when I had watched it and when I was like a little more like deeply into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a lot of stuff that said like the the soap opera they watch in that show yeah invitation to love mm-hmm. is like a big key to the rest of the show sure like you're <laughs> i mean in terms of like i think like tone yes yeah um like, things that happen in that show kind of play out similarly into the show that yeah, you're, you're into yeah, Twin Peaks, and, yeah and the way the music cues hit mm-hmm. and the way people behave at times and it does make me think that like the Twin Peaks we're getting in the TV show is kind of through a lens like that. Yeah. Like it is more of like a the soap opera version of this world. Whereas I think Firewalk with me, it it's it's slightly closer to something you could believe exists in reality. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm trying to decide if I should use that as a jumping off point or if we should stick to the stuff we were just talking about. <laughs> um, we're already over an hour. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, well, just to, to round out some of the scare. Well, oops. let's talk about Leland a little bit. Absolutely. Um, Ray Wise plays Leland Palmer, as he does in the show. Uh, he also puts in a fantastic performance. Yeah. Also, scariest shit in the movie. Like, there's a yeah. scene that I don't think I fully appreciated until uh, watching it this time where... There's a moment where you actually watch Bob leave his body. Like there's mm. there's like a close on Leland. He's like sitting on the edge of his bed and he's got this really intense look on his face. Mm. And then all of a sudden he like relaxes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see Leland come back. Yeah. And that's when he goes into Lara's room right, and, and he's says like he loves weeping. her and starts yeah, crying. Yeah, yeah. And it's really it I feel like you get so much more of a sense of what this dynamic is. Yeah than you do in the show because the show again it's creepy but it's kind of played for laughs a bit in some places yeah like it never gets as dark with Le- obviously it doesn't get but but it, like you never get to really spend time with leland yes and bob yeah ergo yes um yeah and i you do in the movie yeah and i like that because i th- i think something that that you know in a, in a very david lynch way which means a very stylized way this kind of shows more what it's like to live and deal with somebody who is abusive Mm -hmm. because like abusive family members abusive partners abusive people they're not abusive 100 percent of the time right if they were it would be easy for everyone to leave them right yeah so it kind of shows that like he has these moments where he's 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 absolutely like he's violating and violent towards her he attacks her and and he rapes her then there are moments kind of in between where he's just menacing like he's just kind of like needling at her and like tormenting her the dinner scene oh yeah sure it's like you didn't wash your hands he tells her to sit down come here come here sit down hurry up sit down and then he berates her for not washing her hands but then there are moments where he's seemingly really remorseful and and really sad and upset and and he wants her to comfort him he wants to be comforted right and i think that that stuff is actually very frightening because it's very realistic in terms of like 
yeah, somebody can seem like they're a sweet, good dad or a good partner or whatever. And then all of a sudden, with no warning, they can become this this monster who is violent and abusive. Yeah, and you really get the sense in this movie that not even Leland really knows what's going on. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I, 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 he seems kind of off off the tracks yeah like the scene <laughs> the scene where they're at the stoplight and mike shows up yes. and just starts screaming at the both of them yeah like that's that's not even a capital s scary type of scene but the interaction is so intense and yeah the, the performances of everybody are so intense and, yeah. and really when when they zoom off and pull off into the the like in, auto shop yeah, or auto whatever. Shop. yeah and leland starts going like you can't you can't just let people treat people like that. Yeah. And, then, and then Laura in, is like so authentically shaken. And she's yeah. like, what was that? Right. Did you know that man? Yeah. Do we know him? Have I met him? I don't know what what just happened. Yeah. And and you don't like you. Le- you don't get the sense that Leland really does understand what's going on. Yeah. But there's also this kind of sense that maybe, you know, Mike is obviously connected to Bob, and so who yeah. knows what's actually going on inside. Leland's but also, head. like, have you ever been in a like? Have you ever been in a fight, like, 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 like verbal or physical? Have you ever like really been like in in a fight where like your adrenaline is up and it's kind of like a fight or flight moment? Not really. I'm pretty big. Yeah. Most people, most people <laughs> that avoid. That doesn't me. really happen to you. Yeah. But like, if if you've been in a moment like that, you know that like once you're safe, like once you get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. It's really upsetting, even if it seemed not that bad on the surface. Like, if you have, like, an altercation with somebody, yeah. and then you get into your car and you're safe, you can, like, really oh, freak out, so, I you mean, know? I've never been in a situation like this. Yeah. I get that response at the drop of a hat with yeah. people, with people <laughs> who I... D- if people who I don't know... Yeah. Act towards me as though they are a Twin Peaks character, yeah. I think about it for the rest of the day and go, that was... That was fucking. Yeah. I don't know what that a was. Man can't just come out of the blue like exactly. that. Exactly. Like I. That's, What's the world coming to you know, when a man comes day, out of the blue like that at you? If someone, for instance, I, uh, I we were driving one time, hmm. and uh, uh, there was a bike in the bike lane, and I went around this bike. Yeah. I gave him like a lot of space. Yeah. And then came up to a red light. Yeah. And the guy on the bike came around to my driver's side where my window was down and started yeah. yelling at me for cutting him off at a going into a red light and i was like i don't know what you're talking like you were i i went around you with like 25 feet and that like and even after the whole thing caitlin was like you didn't do anything wrong yeah like that i don't know why that guy did that but the rest of the day i was thinking about it like what i don't yeah who who (laughs) does that yeah like you know it's just not something that i'm used to obviously but you can have like like you have a people have a physical reaction to that kind of thing too because it does like it there's there's chemical things happening in your body where your adrenaline hits sure and and you end up like shaking and upset and it feeling nauseous or whatever like so that scene is like scary in a real life way yeah like if you have a near miss in a car or you get yelled at by a threatening person in a parking lot or something mm-hmm. and then you're like alone and you're like oh my god like yeah yeah <laughs> All right, I may as well tell this story. No. Uh, the, the singular singular moment that was like the most like this when I was younger mm. disturbed me to my core. Oh. I was watching my aunt's dog. 
Okay. Right. Okay. And so I took I I this is cute greyhound, skinny Aww. skinny greyhound. And I took the dog for a walk mm-hmm. and I went I was walking by this bar. Mm-hmm. There were two guys out front having a cigarette. And one of the guy goes guys goes, Oh wow, man, that's such a that's such a cute dog. I was like, Oh thanks, yeah, it's my aunt's and then he goes mm-hmm. I thought figured, okay, that's the end of the con- yeah. conversation. Then he goes, Yeah, I know a girl who'd like to have sex with that dog and I was like, What? And he goes, Yeah, oral sex and I'm like uh, and I just kept wow. walking and I walked down the street. Did, were you walking by the, the power and the glory or whatever it apparently, was called? Apparently I walked down the side street of the bar and I yeah. legit waited down there for like 20 minutes until oh the person left before I went back because it was so freaked me out. And you know, I'm like, I was like, I was like 13 or four. I was a younger, Aww. younger kid. And it was just like, I'd never That's had. Upsetting. That's I, younger than I thought you were going to say yeah, you were. I'd never had a person speak to me like that. Yeah. And it was very upsetting and very like, it, it was very uh, disturbing. Yeah. And it's that kind of experience where it's like, you just don't really know exactly how to react to it. Yep. Um, I'm yep. sure I've just described the feeling that <laughs> most women have every day of their life when talking to men. But. I mean, not every day, but um, a bunch of them. A bunch of them had a bunch of those. Yeah. 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 I know I know that's not special, uh, but yeah. it's, ju- it's just, it's... But no, I, I get what you're... Like, it's unexpected. You have this sort of, like, uncanny valley moment of just, yeah. like, are you saying the words I think of you're saying to things, me? <laughs> of all the things this guy could have said to me, that was not on the bingo card, yeah. you know? Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah. but yeah, it's like that's it's they he does a really great job of of keeping that tension and and um, yeah. Another person to, to call out is uh, Grace Sabrisky, mm. who plays um, is that Sarah? Sarah Palmer. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't have a ton to do in this movie, but she kills it. Mood wise, she sets the mood in that house. Oh yeah, in the background, in a way that's really nuanced and really fucking great like like there's you can tell she knows other stuff is going on that she does not really want to face up to yeah and she's torn between this like loyalty to her husband and kind of disbelief that what she suspects might be happening is happening and then clearly she feels really alienated from laura like she doesn't Mm -hmm. know what they they never really talk Right, right like there's a bunch of scenes between leland and laura there's really not she, a lot. She has barely any lines. She's barely yeah. she's barely in it. But the the places that she's in it are very yeah. effective. Like she yeah. comes into that dinner scene. Yeah. And I don't even think she has a lot. Maybe she has, has one or two. She but. she does like, but it's very much like, you know, oh, stop it or something. She yeah. doesn't like it when you do that. Like yeah. it, it, it's it's kind of little stuff in that doesn't. She's not saying anything crazy, revolutionary, like. But but yeah, the way in which she delivers the lines and her general, the attitude of anxiety yes. that she has, yeah. the fact that there's tons of cigarette uh, like ashtrays all around the house yes. and they're all full of her cigarettes because yep. she cannot stop smoking. And then I honestly think one of the most impressive and subtle moments is like when they're going to bed. Oh, yeah. And Leland gives her what I assume is supposed to be a glass of warm milk. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that he's drugging her and it's clear that she kind of knows it. Yep. Like there's a moment he hands it to her without her asking for it. She doesn't thank him. She doesn't say anything to him. She kind of doesn't even really look at him. 
And there's a moment of hesitation before she starts drinking it, where it's this kind of moment where you can tell she's thinking, I don't have to drink this. Right. But if I don't, he's probably going to do what he's going to do anyway. And then I have to either just sit here and listen to it or I have to do something about it. And right. I, I'm not strong enough to do either of those things. So I'm just going to drink it and maintain my sort of ability to deny what's happening around me. Mm. But there's, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say any of that. Like there's no, yeah. she doesn't need to. It's no. all conveyed there in like three really subtle motions Yep. of like taking the glass, pausing and then drinking it. Yeah, and that whole sequence too is is just like that from that point, you know, there's there's like this sort of ritual built into it. Yeah. Where it's like he's clearly done this before. Yes. And then yeah. that's I think when he turns the fan on. Yes, and then the most Lara, ominous ceiling fan yeah, in the world. Laura responds to the sound of the fan going on. Yep. Which is one of those things where it's like I feel like you hear that all the time for yeah. people who are in these situations where there's a trigger yep. like that. Um and then you've got fucking Bob climbing his way slithering his way through the window yes and it's just it's all so canadian tuxedo so i want to talk about bob a little bit yeah you know as i was watching it this time i love the weird uh mythology stuff i love the the black lodge stuff yep mike and bob mike and and bob yeah i love that stuff yep watching it this time i started thinking about whether or not, or I should say if you wanted to, mm. you could read Bob as much as he is as some sort of supernatural entity. Mm-hmm. You could also read him as Lara's compartmentalization of what's happening. Oh, yeah. And it's it takes on kind of a different, uh, definitely a different tone when you read it that way. Because it, yeah. f- it feels a lot more real and visceral. Because, yeah. you know, she's got this mask that she's placed over the person who's uh, been abusing her to the point that she doesn't actually even when she finds out it's her dad she loses her fucking mind that to me is one of the most frightening and like heartbreaking scenes in the movie where she's it's it's the one we talked about earlier where we said you know she goes into her room for the first time and she opens the door kind of slowly and bob is back there Mm -hmm. and she screams and she's got to get out of the house and she kind of like runs down to the corner of the street and kind of flings herself under some under some bushes yeah and is crying and then she waits to see who comes out of the house because it's like she's got gotten to a point where she's like i gotta know and it's her dad and Mm. she's so like it feels so authentically heartbreaking yeah when she's coming to grips with this so like yeah and that's the thing people who have traumatic shit happened to them in their lives they block out stuff yeah. it does happen and so yeah that's a way that's definitely a reading of bob that i buy and also think is like extremely tragic and sad oh totally yeah <clears throat> i think i think that's one of the things that's interesting about twin peaks in this movie and, and probably all of his stuff yeah where i think there's a reading that you can have that you can say is true <clears throat> that uh-huh. doesn't necessarily involve everything so, yeah. for instance, like, I think you can read the Bob stuff as this compartmentalization. Yep. Even though it coexists with the supernatural stuff. Like, yeah. I think you can choose to say, like, okay, it's this, not that. Even yeah. though all of that stuff is present. 
Um, that being said, I love the supernatural stuff. Oh yeah. And uh, I've I, we've talked about this previously. I prefer the tone of this mm-hmm. and the tone of Twin Peaks: The Return to the show. Yeah. To the sorry to the original show. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because this is the first thing I saw. Because yeah, that makes sense. This is definitely leans into the weirdness factor and yes. the darkness yeah. in a way that, w- that we already talked about that the show the original show doesn't and so when we get to the return seeing that it's first of all has so much to do content wise with this movie yeah and kind of stylistically is very more similar to the movie than the, than the original show yeah i was i was struck by that this time because i yeah. like i said i'm currently trying desperately to make my way finally through the return and so it was interesting watching this and and kind of having seen some of that recently um i hesitate to ask this because i feel yes. like we could be talking about this for another three hours if i do Uh-oh. what do you have do you have a read on the black lodge stuff do you get anything out of it sub uh subtextually other than it being the fun kind of weirdness that it is yeah does that make your brain hurt to think about for instance i was i just casually looked up uh-huh. this movie on the twin peaks reddit oh boy and uh <laughs> i should say i looked up the movie and it brought me to the twin peaks reddit yep and most of the twin peaks reddit was people was like uh Reddit threads with like seven to fifteen comments, and the the thread was like, "Here's what I think the watch means." Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know they're yeah. talking about the watch shows up here, this thing, this thing, time. You know what is time? You know, yes. and it's like okay, in quantum physics, yeah, it's like a singularity is a blah blah blah, yeah, and therefore the trees in a circle out in the woods are this, and you're like. Maybe. Right. And that video, <laughs> that long video, gets into that stuff a yeah. little bit, which is kind of where you kind of got to go either take it or leave it. That's yeah. when I kind of just like to listen to it. But, yeah. Um, no, I mean, as as somebody whose favorite book for many, many years was the book House of Leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if you've read that I one. I have not, no. Um. Yeah, no, I love the Black Lodge shit. Um, I do think that if you try too hard to pin it down into absolute meaning then you're just going to make your brain hurt and you're not going to come out any the wiser i do think it is sort of it acts as a place beyond space and time sure like i i don't think time works there the way it works in in our world where time is linear Mm -hmm. i think people can go in there and spend probably what feels like five minutes or what feels like an eternity and come out at different times in the world yeah um i don't think it's an evil place i don't think it has like i think evil is too reductive and too simple because i think if we're just an evil place that just means it's hell right and i don't think it's hell i i think not to jump too far i mean i'm gonna jump all the way to the very end of this movie but that's where laura ends up right she ends up in the lodge and so does her angel. Yes. And so does Cooper. Yeah. So she ends up she ends up there and she's escaped Bob. Like he can't have her anymore. He cannot possess her. He cannot be her. And she's comforted kind of by Cooper. He like kind of stands by her to like keep her company. She's so she's not alone. And she has this vision of her little guardian angel that hung in her room. 
and it's this moment of like she knows she's sort of escaped the torment that was awaiting her yeah like, like she had to go through the pain and the torment of what happened in her life but she did not have to go and will not have to go through the pain and torment that her father is going through being right. possessed by bob yeah so i think the lodge is not a bad place per se but i don't know exactly what it is <laughs> yeah i mean the movie ends after all is said and done the movie yeah. ends with on a free term of her smiling yes like exactly she's got this sort of like delirious joy yeah it's actually kind of not entirely dissimilar to the way that sensor ends <laughs> yeah <laughs> different circumstances obviously yeah but, but it's interesting because like not not to get too like whatever whatever about it but um you know in 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 the bible um like man can't see the face of god right like seeing the face of god will drive you crazy and and so that sort of level of almost like hysterical joy is uh, what you you know could be called a religious experience mm. and so I know she looks at times like she's almost like manically smiling, but it's like she's seeing something that to her is like beyond human comprehension. Yeah. It's like this ultimate expression of like peace and protection and, and, and finally getting relief from her torment. Yeah. So I kind of get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so having watched that long video, yes. I have these, uh, extrapolations the guy made in, in my head mm-hmm. watching this this time i did have a read on it that was that was kind of similar to the thing that this guy was talking about in this video and <clears throat> i think it all kind of comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about how david lynch really wants people to care about what happens to Lara. right yeah at the same time though i think that David Lynch, I think that there's there's a perspective on this movie that David Lynch knows that in order for people to care about her, he has to kill her. Yeah. And I think what is happening a bit is Lara, the character, is becoming aware that she has to die. And so... When you get into this stuff where she's sort of like seeing the flashing lights and stuff, which yeah. look remarkably like television lights. If yes. You, you know. I do buy that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a certain kind of thing where it's like, like the core, the core concept of this, this guy's video is, well, one of the core concepts mm-hmm. is that uh, Laura's death mm-hmm. is the creation of the show. If right. Laura doesn't die, this universe doesn't exist. Right. And so I think in this movie, there's there's a certain element of David Lynch knows that in order for this universe to exist, she he has to kill her. Yes. And she becomes starts to become aware that she has a fate that she can't escape. Yeah. And this is obviously all super metaphysical shit that is beyond the fact that it's just about a girl who spirals out of control because she's killed by her father. But yeah. But there is this certain sort of like inevitability to everything where I feel like what you're talking about, that that sort of like uh, a delirious joy comes from her crossing that threshold yeah. and kind of realizing that 
this universe does exist because of her sacrifice sort of yeah yeah because at that point she's she's not only in in the moment at the very end of the movie she's not only talking she's not only realizing that she has to die she's already dead right like she has already suffered and been murdered horribly and 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 the show already exists yeah and and she she's kind of she's done it she's made it through it Mm -hmm. and so just to then kind of see that you ha- you went through all of this, but this is why. There mm-hmm. was purpose. There was meaning. We're going to make meaning out of your suffering. Right. We're going to make something right. from what you went through. And because you went through it, all of these other things are going to cascade from this. Yeah. 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 And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that I think backs this up mm. um, that I'm going to ruin for you is involves uh, the f- one of the final scenes in the movie. Uh-huh. Where Lara is riding on the back of James's oh. motorcycle. How about this, James? <laughs> Which, in and of itself, is a really affecting scene because, like, mm-hmm. James is the one person. Well, one of he's the only one left at this point in the story. Yeah, who has not abandoned her? Essentially, I guess I yeah. wouldn't say Donna ever really abandons her, but Lara kind of removes Donna from the equation herself. Yeah, there are characters who are made helpless. Like, yes. like, yeah. like Donna is, is she tries, Donna tries and I, and I would argue harder than anyone else yeah. in Laura's mm-hmm. life to connect with Laura on a real level and to see what she's really going through and to try to put herself there and say, I'm going to stand between you in these things. Yeah. And she tries, but it's too much for her, which is reasonable. Sure. <laughs> like, yes. It makes sense yeah. to me. And Laura turns it around and ends up protecting her. And, and so, yeah. But yes, James does stick by her when, you know, Bobby has said, you only want me for a cocaine hookup and she can't rely on her parents and no one else is there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that scene is really. That was like probably my favorite James scene in anything he's in. Yeah. He kind of sucks generally, but he was was good in this movie. (laughs) Well, it's it's too bad. Not not to derail too far, but it's too bad because I feel like they never really knew what to do with him. Yeah. Like they never really had a character to give him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's so affecting to me about that scene is mm-hmm. like, not to go biblical again, but like, I feel like this is Lara approaching the passion essentially Yeah. where it's like, she's in the process. She has this destiny that she knows that she has to go to. Yeah. And that's why she, her reaction with him is so intense. Yes. He doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Like, he's, he's been very outside of all of the action of the movie. Like yeah. he kind of drives in on his motorcycle, tries to be nice to her, tries to get her to confide in him so he can help her. And then she's like, get out of here. And then he drives away. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, she, is pushing him away with such intensity. Yes. I think because she knows she knows that she has to do this. Yep. But she does legitimately love this guy. Yeah. But she has to push him away cuz she yep. has a role that she has to fulfill. Yep. And James James I, I said when we were watching this I was like, "Man, I can't believe he just leaves her." Yeah. But then you were like, "I I mean, supernatural stuff aside, she's kind of a lot." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and like you have to remember, like he is her side piece. Like, right, right. She has a boyfriend, and he is like king goon of the high school. Right, right, right. And James is like the poor kid whose parents abandoned him. Right, mm-hmm. like 
it's very much like he he does not have any sort of power or social standing in this town. Yeah. He's a teenage kid with no family and like no money and no prospects. He's going to end up working at the car garage with his uncle. Like yep. that's that's it. That's it for him. That's all he's going to get. Yeah. Um you know, whereas Bobby, for instance, is is the major's son and lives in a big fancy house and mm-hmm. gets out of trouble no matter what he does. Um, but yeah, Laura is a lot. Like, if you don't know what all she's going through, because she won't tell you, but she's having, like, cocaine mood swings in your face. Yes. I can kind of believe being a little bit like, all right, bye. You going to call me? Yeah. And to his credit, I mean, like, he gets, after she runs off into the woods, yeah. he's got that scene at the at the light, at the stoplight, where... Yeah. He, he's clearly debating whether or not he should go after her. Yeah. And then when he doesn't and he speeds off, he doesn't yeah. do it like coolly. Like he's clearly, right. he's not like, Oh fucking bitch. Yeah, he's clearly you know? like, you know, emotionally fragile or broken about it. Yeah. And, and she does have the habit of kind of, and, and this is another thing that I think is actually fairly realistic is when you know, somebody who's like dealing with this kind of stuff, mm they get very good at seeming like they're always kind of going to be in this level of stasis. Yeah. Like you're always going to be in like low level crisis. You're always going to be like in a fight or they're always going to be upset or there's always going to be problems and there's always going to be whatever, but they'll be fine. They land on their feet. They always get through it. They come out the other side to drive you crazy again. Yeah. And I think Laura has a little bit of that going on where people are so like james for instance is so used to her having like crazy mood swings and just like randomly being like fuck off get away from me i don't want to be around you anymore that he's kind of just like all right it's another one of those that's the thing like when when you're dealing when you're when you know someone who has this sort of thing problem you want to help but there's a certain point where you never you the people on the outside are never going to know when it's the 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 real thing right right that's not the right phrase to no, to no, use, no. But, but I, you know what I mean. I understand. Like, like when is it? When is it a two alarm fire, and when yes. is it a five alarm fire? Yes, because they feel the same after a while, right. and yeah. it's harder and harder to tell the difference between like what is a cry for help that is coming from a genuine place, and mm-hmm. what is just somebody acting out because they're hurt. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that scene, there's a moment where Lara's eyes kind of look off into the distance and she just screams this horrified scream. Which is to kind of veer off slightly. Cheryl Lee, best scream in movie history. Oh, God, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Didn't she end up, like, teaching acting classes? Yeah, she's. I think she might still be doing it. Actually, it's her and um, uh, the guy who plays Bobby's friend, Mike. Oh, fun. They both teach at the same school, I think. Oh, I love it. Also, we found out last night, Cheryl Lee was married to Neil Diamond's daughter. Sorry, husband. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Son. That's the right one. My brain just... We have been recording for too long. Cheryl Cheryl Lee was married to Neil Diamond's son, and she also once dated David Duchovny. Yeah. So... Yeah. Interesting. Anyway... Uh, so yes, she has this very strange moment uh, with James in the woods where she looks kind of past him mm-hmm. and lets out a blood-curdling scream. Yes. What you are going to learn in Tweed Peaks The Return oh. is that what she sees Ooh. is 2017 Dale Cooper. 
Huh. Who at this point she's seen in dreams, but she's never met in person. Yes. And the version of him she's seen in dreams is young Coop. Yes. Yeah. So. Interesting. Do Mm. you want me to ruin the whole thing for you? Do you want to ruin the whole thing for me? (sighs) I want to talk about it, but I don't want to ruin it for you. (laughs) Should I like go in the other room and you can monologue for five minutes and I'll I'll come back? All right, I'm not going to say what happens after that. I'll let you watch it, and then we can discuss it <laughs> off air. But let me just say. Guys, if is... you love this extremely long Twin Peaks <clears throat> episode and want to hear more Twin Peaks yelling, we can probably make that yes. happen. Uh, that would be interesting. I would put that out there to the patrons as if they yeah. want to hear us talk more about Twin yeah, Peaks. Yeah, a Christmas gift for yes. the patrons. But there is what happens from that point in the return. Yeah falls in line with what we were talking about about Lara being the impetus for the universe mm. and stuff like that but I'll I'll wait until you watch it before okay. we talk about all it all right all right um but yeah what else is there to talk about okay so, so many things we haven't talked really about the old lady and her grandson oh, like that, I don't even we know we haven't talked about the man in the red suit with the really long nose yeah I don't I, what what is the ring yeah I do find it interesting that if we're going to go into some of the weird kind of totems and esoterica um, that Cooper says, don't take the ring. Yeah. I think that can be read as a young, relatively inexperienced Cooper jumping to conclusions and being wrong. I think that's what the guy in the video says too. Really? I don't remember that. Yeah. I'm not saying you, stole that from him I, just, I i probably subconsciously did maybe i don't know that's fine <coughs> but I, I all credit to this unnamed guy in the video yeah. we keep referencing <laughs> we should really probably give him actual credit it's from i think the youtube channel is called twin perfect um okay. so if you look up twin perfect uh twin peaks you'll find like two or three videos that he did okay. um but yeah th- which i find a little confusing yeah, because it is kind of strange. It's like for Coop to be to give her the wrong information. I don't know. It's just narratively is kind of weird, dicey for me. Um, yeah, because it's you know he's saying don't take the ring, but her taking the ring ultimately is what saves her. But but it also is ultimately what kills her. I, sh- I guess shouldn't say save, but yeah, you know, yeah. no. I mean, it's it, it kind of if we're gonna go for the immortal soul and <laughs> end of things, it does save her soul. Yeah, it, it saves yeah. her from being becoming Bob. Yeah. But it also kills her, right? Like, if, well, I, you know, I, I wonder if it's part of part of the the thing where it's Cooper. No, okay, Cooper understands that her taking the ring will be a bad thing. Cooper doesn't want her to be killed, right? She knows that this is what she has to do. Yes, because Teresa had the ring. Teresa was killed, and so yeah. now she has to, she she needs to take the ring in order to complete this ritual, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and Cooper doesn't know that, so he obviously wants to save her, but she knows that it needs yeah, to, it she needs has, to go through. Yeah, she has through. information he does not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does the ring show up in the show? I can't remember. I can't remember either, which leads me to think no, and if it does, it, we might not ever see it. It might just be something that's talked about. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Been too long. Um. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, getting into that ending, that is a really intense final 10 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, because after, so she leaves, she's kind of known all the whole time on her last day that she's supposed to go meet up with Jacques 
Leo Ronette mm-hmm. at like Jacques hunting cabin or yeah. some shit. Um, Cause the men want to quote unquote party, which means do drugs and have sex with them mm-hmm. and be awful. And so like after she, she kind of gets a ride from James. They could have been nice about it. But they weren't. Yeah, they could and have. They weren't I mean, like, going but I mean, be. just like generally, you like, know, it would have been nice if they had been. Yeah. Why do you? Why do they always have to be jerks about it? <laughs> why you got to be so rapey? Yeah. Yeah. But so they like yeah yeah Laura ends up in the cabin with them and and against her will. Jacques ties her up mm-hmm. and and rapes her and it seems like Leo does the same to Ronette mm. because both of the girls end up tied up. Yeah. At the end, yeah. which is how Leland is kind of able to, once he hides outside and fucks up Jock when Jock's not expecting it, and mm-hmm. then Leo, because he's a coward, runs away, that's how he's able to control both girls, is that these two fucking assholes have already tied them up. And, yeah, it's a really kind of, like, it's a really scary final, like, ten minutes when it's, you know, like, Laura knows that this is her dad. Yeah. And she knows this is it. Like like she's she's clearly very aware. I think she even says like are you going to kill me? Like I think I think she like says it at some point yeah. and he says like I'm going to beat you or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like this movie. <laughs> I just I don't know. It's like it's that's all of it's like a horror f- it's it's a horror movie but in a way it's more like because it's horrifying not because yeah. it has any like i just big capital h genre horror movie tropes you right, know there's right. there's not like there's some supernatural shit and there's a killer you know mm-hmm. and like he's not yet but leland becomes a serial killer yeah well i mean at the end of this, he's a, he's already killed Teresa at this point. Yeah, is two a serious serial or is that? Oh, I don't know. I don't I guess know. Technically, I don't know. I, I don't should know. know my definitions about serial killers. You'd, you'd think I would. Yeah. This is this is my bad. I think as soon as you tuck a a, a, a typed letter under someone's <laughs> fingernail, I feel like you're in the ballpark. Yeah. Once you start approaching some um, Fincher's yeah, seven yeah. level evil serial killer shit, you're 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 already on your way. Yeah. Um, David Lynch, just in general, I, the, the thing that I find so in- interesting about his stuff, and I think that this movie obviously falls into that, is just like, I don't need it all to make sense because there's just yeah. so much interesting stuff to chew on Yeah, that makes it, it, it makes you engage with it in a level that pretty much no other movie, no other person's movies i've ever seen do like i i i think about mulholland drive like a lot (laughs) (laughs) just like idly while you're like chopping vegetables for dinner you're like yeah "Mm." every now and then i think back it's like the blue box yeah were they the the same person or like you know like there's yeah there's just so many concepts and ideas that are just interesting to chew on and i i think i it's so rare to to find a movie that can like but I think interest you have to... and disturb you on a level that isn't just surface level. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. But I think you also have to kind of like that stuff. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Like you yeah. have to like 
kind of doing the like puzzle box thing in your head yeah. and you have to be comfortable with some level of ambiguity because like for instance like i know my husband is not a david lynch fan yeah, neither is which, my girlfriend <laughs> which is always but for greg it's like surprising because he likes other weird movies yeah. and he likes experimental stuff he likes like surrealist artists and okay. stuff okay like, all right sure it, that is it, a little surprising. It's I guess, really, yeah. it's always really surprising to me that he doesn't enjoy it. But I think for him, there's just like tonally something doesn't click, mm-hmm. and a lot of it to him feels like just weirdness for weirdness's sake. Yeah, like he yeah. knows there's more behind it than that, but it's not. There's not enough worth it for him to to peel peel back the layers. It's not. It's not doing anything for him. You know what's actually funny? I think you and I might be the only david lynch fans in our friend group yes however actually i found i real I, I didn't realize this until recently because he doesn't really like project this mm. but pat is actually a twin peaks fan he's got a twin peaks phone case which <laughs> what <laughs> yeah I never, never in a million years would i have guessed i that. guess i've never met our friend pat yeah apparently not <laughs> uh we should have had him on the show god damn uh but like yeah i w- across our general friend group i think the th- you and yeah. us definitely you and i definitely pat yeah. possibly i don't know how far his circle goes out but yeah but like you know we were talking we, we we put it out there to anybody who wanted to join us and we yeah. know we have a friend laura who um is a likes the show twin peaks yes but she her response was i don't think i ever want to watch that movie yeah and i get it because oh, totally yeah you know we as we talked about at the beginning it's a you're kind of stepping over a line into a different world and yeah. how deep do you really want to go? Right, into a story that you know is just going to be horrific and tragic. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah, but it um, is but it is interesting because it does kind of show you that like, you know, we're talking, when, when we talk about our friend group, we're talking like 20 people. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, two out of 20, that's a pretty small sample yeah 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 so it's like it's really not for everyone no <laughs> is the lesson no <laughs> um it's well it's for 70 percent of the people who voted for the patron poll as to whether or not Thanks, we were going to do this so thank you guys uh <laughs> do, is there anything else you want to touch on before we round it God, out i feel like we've barely touched on anything but we are approaching two hours yeah so i'm, I'm pretty excited about that <laughs> this makes up i as long as i as long as i don't somehow manage to magically erase this <laughs> i will murder you this will hopefully make and up wrap for the, you in uh, plastic and drop your body in a river you would be you would be in in the right to do that <laughs> hopefully this will make up for the <laughs> dracula debacle oh um do you think this should be on our list do i personally think this should be on the list mm. maybe do i think more broadly it should be on the list probably not yeah like, I want it to be on the list. I personally find parts of it scary enough to put it on the list of, of horror movies. Mm-hmm. But I th- I think the wider consensus would probably be against it. Yeah, I think this would be a tough one if you were going to say, pick a random movie off the 200 best horror movies yeah, list. Yeah. And they landed on <laughs> Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. You'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would. I would agree. Where I don't. I don't know if I would put it explicitly on the list. I'd put it on my list. That's that's a that's a that's kind of what I should have said. Yeah, is that like if I was coming up with my top two hundred, it would be on it. But I understand why it's not on the generic. Yeah. Top two hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about the music. 
Like the, there's so much we did not talk about. Yeah, Angela <laughs> Bottlementi, who does all of well, I don't know if he does everything that Twi- he might do all of David Lynch's stuff. I'm not he definitely does all of Twin Peaks. He does all of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yes, uh, some of the best themes. Yes, you know the the Twin Peaks theme is amazing. Yep, Lars theme is is unbelievable. Yep, uh, I have three vinyl album sets worth of Twin Peaks music, and they're all one. they're all great. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just he's a master at mood. He he just gets some yeah. really, and I think he really gets the David Lynch mood. Yes, you know, yeah. like I think they're they're on a similar wavelength, and so it works really well together. Like you know. You could you could not have John Carpenter score this movie. Right. <laughs> Apparently, the way that they they work, or at least the way they did the the original show, mm. is that uh, David Lynch would sit down at the keyboard with Angelo, yeah, and basically describe mm. the scene, mm-hmm. and he would sort of like improv it. Oh wow! And then David Lynch would be like, "That's it." Like like they would they would kind of like co-create to a certain extent interesting yeah. so it'd be sort of like there's a girl and she's at the diner and yes. she's doing whatever and no it's it's sadder than that or exactly. it's like exactly. you know yeah. she's she's depressed and she's worried and she's trying to hide it and that kind of stuff yes that's, exactly that's really yeah. cool yeah yeah they work really well together absolutely yeah you know, they do great stuff the one <laughs> kind of album the one album that i would love to have which i think has been out of print for a long time is the mulholland drive soundtrack Ooh, yeah yeah i don't know who owns the rights to that yeah but. i have no idea <laughs> anyway we have done yeah. two hours on twin peaks fire walk with me yep as our wild card Aren't you going to fix me a drink, Laura? <laughs> the Laura, what, what is the line? What does she say? Uh, I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> your Laura disappeared. It's just me now. <laughs> it's just me now. The, the Clay McCormick story. Yep. Um, yeah, I hit the randomizer button. Beep, boop, 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 beep, boop. And I'm very, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because next time we will be doing number 121 let me just make sure that that mm-hmm. is correct it is which is george romero's martin <gasps> oh my god it's finally happening it's finally happening Ooh! i'm very excited we might go two hours on martin as well oh, shit. I, <laughs> <laughs> bringing enough i'm bringing a five hour energy next time yeah i'm just gonna prob- get myself nice and caffeinated up and make you deal with me being insane mm-hmm. yeah probably not that long but i I'm just really looking forward to watching this. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to you watching this because you've never seen it. I right? have not. And you have told <clears throat> me nothing about it. You've told me that it exists in the basic premise, which you have not like okay. extrapolated, which is great because I will get to experience yeah, I, it all. I don't, me being so excited about it, I don't want to like overhype it or something, but I just, I, I'm really, I'm really interested on to hear yeah. what you have to say about yeah, it. Yeah, no, so. totally. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, looking well, forward to it. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. If you've made it this, far, made it this far, you are a fucking champion. <laughs> um, if you'd like to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you sign up for our Patreon, you can uh, get Amanda and I's coverage of Stephen King's second string movies uh, in August. We haven't done August yet, actually, when this comes out. It's sometimes they come back. We just did nice. Maximum Overdrive and Christine <laughs> and... It Chapter 2 and Needful Things and all this kind of fun stuff. Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet. Uh, we've only got a couple left because the year is almost over relatively. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
all leading up to the 1990 TV movie of It. The culmination. Which I'm very excited to talk about. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for listening. As always, thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. And we will see you next time in 25 years. Bye, everyone. Thank you.